Somewhere around the middle of last summer, I realized something. Maybe it was after our awesome fiesta celebration on the lawn, celebrating our successful One Foundation fundraising campaign, or maybe it was during some vacation time away where I had the space to reflect. But somewhere in there, I realized the honeymoon is over. I don't mean that negatively at all, but I was aware that we were transitioning into a new phase of our life together. I'm not really the new rector anymore. I'm the rector, and I've told all my jokes, and I've emptied out my bag of tricks, and I have made some mistakes, and now, bless you, now we're in it together. The honeymoon is over. But with this realization began what felt like a new season. We have a God-given vision that this parish uh, exists to help people wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And the question before me, coming out of that realization, heading into the fall, was what are we going to make of it? How are we going to build on the confidence that we have coming out of the campaign? What do we need to construct? Or what systems and expectations should we be putting in place in order to help us achieve this vision? And I was praying and reading and having lots of conversations and brainstorming ideas. And then Hurricane Irma came through. And maybe like you, it took us a while to get back on track. Not only logistically or in terms of our physical plant, but psychologically and emotionally. It was a big deal. But I'm happy to say that I think that we are now back on track. The staff is in a good place. The vestry is unified and doing a good job of managing the property and finances. And they are serving as great supporters and encouragers and honest voices to and for the staff. So I just want to take a minute and say that as Tom Atkins and Anna Dooley and Ron Henry and Nancy Kazarowski roll off, they are the last vestry that was in place when I got here. They are the last vestry that helped to hold the Church of Our Savior together during the interim period. Each one has done a magnificent job and has searched this, served this church well. And they deserve our hearty thanks and our applause. We have a wonderful uh, gift for each of you, and we will uh, get that to you when it arrives. So, it's that good. It's worth the wait. There's three things I want to highlight uh, for you, but let me say uh, first just a quick word about the finances. We just heard uh, from Bob White, our wonderful treasurer, uh, that we were a little behind last year. But I just want to put that in context. 
pledge giving was about $23,000 down in a year that we also raised 275,000 extra capital funds and in a year that we had a major hurricane come through. I got to tell you, for a church our size, I think that is extraordinary. Thank you for your generosity. Give yourselves a hand. Great job. Praise God. I mean, we always want to hit our numbers, but you are showing that your giving springs out of a joyful gratitude for your growing and vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you and thank God. So there are about a thousand things that I could highlight, uh, but I had to pick just three. So the wardens are going to talk to you in just a minute about the successful One Foundation campaign. They're going to update you on the status of his projects. So I want to speak about the youth ministry, the Church of Our Savior Foundation, and the focus of the staff. So the first thing I want to highlight is the reconstruction of our youth ministry. This parish has youth ministry in its DNA. For at least a couple of decades, a vibrant youth ministry is an important part of the identity of this parish. In the transitional period in which we find ourselves, the vestry and I are equally and unequivocally committed to do everything we can to ensure that we get back to that place of vibrancy. It is that commitment that is causing us to go slow and to work carefully and deliberately and at no small expense with the seasoned experts and ministry architects. This same commitment has led us to roll our children's ministry into the renovation process with the enthusiastic support and encouragement of Beth Lunsford, our wonderful Director of Children's Ministries. So far, this has been a process that has been both humbling and energizing. It's been humbling because it has brought to light many things that I did not even know to direct Jessica Herf or Brandon Eves to do. These aren't just things that would have helped the youth ministry flourish, but things that once in place will help all of our ministries flourish. And they will flourish precisely because they won't be centered on the staff or require just the right combination of a perfect personality and strong administrative skills. They will flourish because the systems and practices that we will be putting in place will equip and empower the volunteers who have chosen this parish as their spiritual home. Now i got to tell you that seminaries don't usually, or they usually give you the impression, let me say that again, seminaries usually give you the impression that if you deliver a great message, your church will grow. And while I think that there may be some truth to that, it's only a half-truth. Seminaries don't usually teach you about the nuts and bolts systems that you need to put into place in order to receive, manage, and direct that growth. Ministry architects and firms like it are in business because pastors like me don't intuitively know about these systems, much less how to put them in place. So I am learning a lot personally and learning that I knew a lot less than I thought I knew. (laughs) But I'm also beginning to understand what others who have been through this process meant when they say that the process transformed the whole church. So it's been humbling. But it's also been energizing. We have a fabulous design team. 
that is putting together the systems, both for the youth and the children's ministries. We have a search team that is working with ministry architects, search specialists, to find the right youth ministry candidate, hopefully before the summer. And we have a prayer team that is bringing the whole process before the Lord. And by the way, you are all on the prayer team. In the meantime, we have our very gifted and experienced associate rector and many able volunteers who are gathering the youth regularly in Sunday school, acolyting, and at least in monthly fun activities. The goal of this process is that we have vibrant children's and youth programs that are staff-led, but not staff-centered, which will partner with parents to help our children and youth and their friends and their friends' friends, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, such that when they graduate from high school and they head off to college, the most natural thing in the world for them is to find a church and continue walking with Christ. We're headed in the right direction, and by God's grace, we are going to get there. Now, the importance of this consulting process was brought home to me in a new way just this weekend at the Diocesan Convention. Bishop Howard went to great lengths to emphasize the importance of Christian formation for the vibrant growth and mission of our churches. And our delegation happened to be sitting in front of the youth delegation. And I was listening to the presentations through the filter of this process in which we are engaging. And I looked around the room and I realized that as a 43-year-old priest, that I am younger than between 80 and 90% of the other priests in the diocese. Our denomination, not just our diocese, is facing a critical clergy shortage in the coming years. The careful and deliberate investment in our children's and youth program to produce mature Christians as they leave high school is not just an investment in our youth today but an investment in who knows how many pulpits in the future. We are a parish with sufficient size, resources, and bright future ahead that we ought to be equipping our young people for anything and everything to which God calls them, with the expectation that He will call many of them to be youth ministers who lead other students to Christ, and that He will call a great number of them to proclaim His good news as ordained men and women. There is far more at stake here than our own DNA. And I thank you for your faithful expectation, your willing and helpful support, and your financial investment in the Christian formation of our children and our youth. The second thing that I want to highlight is something that has been a little less public, but no less important to the future of this great parish. And that is the reconstitution of the Church of Our Savior Foundation. One of the primary goals of our successful capital campaign was to pay off the mortgage that was held by the foundation. We are debt free. The Church of Our Savior Foundation is a separate 501c3 that was formed to support the ministry of Church of Our Savior. And now that the mortgage has been paid back, the foundation can and should be organized energized, and publicized for the growth of endowment funds, among other things. 
So with thanks to the outgoing board president, Pat Hubbard, and the other faithful members of the board, the foundation board was revamped. And it has been hard at work for about eight months determining the mission, the vision, the strategy, and the operating procedures. So to tell you more about that, and about what you can expect from the foundation in the months and years ahead, I'd like to invite the recently appointed president of the foundation board, Cindy Covington, to come and give us a word. Thank you, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Boy, it's exciting when you look at not only where we are, but where we're going in our future and how much this parish family invest in that future and especially our youth. And when we talk about the foundation, we're talking about our future because the foundation is your legacy. It's the legacy for you and your children and your grandchildren and what this church will be around to support the mission of the church of our savior. When you look at the vision of the church of our savior, it's to meet people wherever they are in their spiritual journey to help them have a more personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we came together as a new board, one of the first things that we did was establish a mission statement and a vision statement. And before I read those, the first thing I want to do is introduce to you the individuals that have been working so hard for the last eight months. Mark Laborde is our vice president. Please just stand and wait until everybody stands to hold your applause. Selby Kaiser is our secretary. Richard Ashley is our treasurer. Tom Atkins is our senior warden representative from the past. Anna Dooley was our stewardship liaison from the vestry. Bob White was our church treasurer. And then, of course, we have the Reverend Joe Gibbs, who also sits on the board, and our Associate Rector Trent was there through all the meetings to provide his insight and input from his experience as well. Thank you all so much for all your hard work for the past eight months. And they have really worked very hard. So to tie in first with our mission statement. Our mission statement, the Church of Our Savior Foundation provides ongoing financial strength and support to the ministry of the Church of Our Savior through strategic planning, investment, and parish education. And what that means is that we are gonna support the vision of the Church of Our Savior by providing those funds to protect our legacy into the future. So when you look at the broader picture, the vision statement, we envision a foundation that ensures that the Church of Our Savior has ample resources to serve all people as they live into their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In order to do that, one of the things we did was to revise our bylaws and make sure they were updated and current with how our parish is functioning. And the other thing that we took a very long and hard look at was coming up with an investment spending, an endowment spending and investment policy so that there would be guidelines in place for the future of all boards coming through the foundation. I'm very excited to tell you um, that we're moving in a very positive direction. We have the funds now back from the capital campaign, and those are getting ready to be invested. Annette has updated our website with some very basic information about our foundation. And as we get into the next few months, our board will be working on coming up with educational materials so that you all will know how you can support your foundation. You heard Bob talk about some wonderful blessings that we received this past year where people 
remembered the church of our Savior in their trust to protect their legacy into the future. And we're going to provide you with a lot of information on ways that you can consider leaving your family, the Church of Our Savior, funds for future reference as well. I'm sorry, I'm really tired, <laughs> tongue-tied. I just got back from Haiti at about 12.45 last night into bed. So um, Mark is very glad I'm here because that meant he didn't have to stand up. But the, the, the point is, the point is, is that this parish family has really come together in the last year and a half working on where we're going, our current state of affairs, and where we want to go in the future. And this foundation will ensure that legacy long after each of us is gone. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Cindy, so much. And uh, thank you for all your work that you have done and will continue to do. So you'll hear more about that, uh, giving, uh, leaving Church of Our Savior and the foundation uh, in your will as an estate legacy is an important and wonderful thing that you can do. The final thing that I'd like to uh, highlight is the focus of the staff. We've got a great staff. Just a great staff. They love the Lord and they love you. And they really enjoy working together and they work really hard at their jobs. We've been having a lot of conversation lately, though. One of the ways that I have described our vision when I have been talking to people lately is that it is more atmospheric than strategic. More atmospheric than strategic. Which is to say that the statement that we exist to help people wherever they are in their spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus, it describes an atmosphere or a culture that we are trying to create and achieve. But it does not describe what exactly is necessary to get us there. And that doesn't mean that the vision is flawed. But it does mean that this, that's an important thing to know about the vision. As I was pondering these questions that I referenced earlier about what we are going to make of the vision, I found myself wondering how we know if we're helping people to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we know if people are growing in their faith, that's a hard thing to measure. We can do things that feel visiony. We cross our fingers then after that and see if uh, average Sunday attendance increases or if giving goes up. But that doesn't feel sufficient to know if the hard work the staff is doing is actually helping people, helping you to grow in Christ. So as a staff, after much discussion and deliberation, we have determined two markers of spiritual growth that we are going to measure regularly. First, we are working to encourage everyone to be in a weekly Christian formation group. And two, we are working to see that everyone identifies as having a ministry, either inside or outside the parish. Study and service. If we see the number of people increasing who are actively seeking to learn more about Jesus and His Word, and if we are increasing in the number of people who are serving the church and serving the community, then we can be relatively confident that we are creating the atmosphere that our vision describes. So an illustration. I want you to take a moment and imagine that you are walking along a long dark, cold journey. And as you round a bend, 
you see a warm glow coming from the windows of a building up on the hill. As you get closer, you hear the sounds of happy conversations. You're hungry and you're cold. And you have a sense that this place that you're seeing can get, can get you warm and, and you can be fed and, and you can get readied for the next leg of your journey. As you enter that place, what would you hope to find? To be sure, you would hope to find warm smiles and welcoming people. But you're hungry. And so you would also hope to find people who had taken the time to learn how to cook. (laughs) You hope to find a place where someone had signed up to bring in the firewood. Where someone was willing to try their hand at making a fire so they and others could enjoy its warmth. You hope to find a joyful place, but also a place where someone has made a bed for the travelers. And perhaps someone who was learning to tend the chickens so that everyone could have eggs for breakfast the next day. The effectiveness and the potency of this imaginary inn depends not just on the friendliness of the people who are there, though that of course is very important, but it also depends on the people who are there actively engaging in, investing in, and enjoying its success. This is the church. It is a warm and welcoming inn for weary travelers where people aren't simply content to gather for their own warmth, but are eager to learn what they need to know so that they may be ready to serve those who stop in. Study and service. Every Christian needs to learn their Bible, though it may seem daunting at first. And everyone needs to have a ministry, though you may not be sure what you can offer. And though we will continue to do all the rest of the work that we do, these two areas, study and service, will be the focus of the staff for the foreseeable future. And you'll be hearing more about it as we put the systems and practices in place to achieve these goals. You will also hear more about how we communicate, including you will hear about teaches uh, classes that we are setting aside to teach realm. And yet, realm is a wonderful realm has a, sometimes a bad reputation around here. <laughs> You're laughing, but let me tell you, one of the things that we have found is that realm is not the problem. <laughs> Sometimes people don't know how to, use, how to work their computers. <laughs> Realm works just fine. That is not a dig. But we're going to, we are looking at, we're talking about also offering computer classes so that you can work your device so that when you pull up Realm, it works just great. <laughs> so we're talking about those things and we're going to be offering those things and you will hear more about those in the future. But it is the intention of our staff that you will have easy access to know exactly when and how you can join others to study Scripture and how your particular gifts and interests can be used to glorify God in your church and or in your community. Now you're of course not limited to what we offer, but it will be there for you in any event. You will find a fountain of joy in both study and service because healthy people grow. And loved people care. And Christian people go. Friends, thank you for the theme music.
the honeymoon is over. And we are in it together. And I want you to know that I am so grateful to God for it. What an honor and what a privilege to study and serve as your rector and to grow alongside you in my own personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. This is going to be a great year for Church of Our Savior. All glory to God. Amen. Amen.